we would be honored if you would join us. Wait, Krebs, are we recording? You know, now that you mention it, I think we're recording. But did you start start it? The, did you start the recording? You know, I hit the record button and the voice came on. I'm pretty sure, you know, let me just, you know what? We are recording, but wait, ah. Alton, are we recording? The little blinking red light in the corner seems to indicate that in fact, someone pressed the record button. And I would assume that it is probably you based mm-hmm. on the context of the conversation, which we are having right now. I, you know, without empirical evidence, assumptions are dangerous, but maybe we use it as a working theory. Well, then, All right. I guess that means I better sync Alton in three, two, one audio sync for Krebs in three, two, one. We lost Dan. Oh no, did we lose Dan? Is he frozen? He's frozen. Kick him out. How did <laughs> how did this his happen? Power just went out. No, his power just went down because of the storm. Yeah. <laughs> We should have been recording the whole time. Okay, look, for the for the sake of this recording, allow me to say that the three of us have had a bombastic rapid fire conversation about several nerd topics of which we did not record at all. And that has that has always haunted me. Every time I've forgotten to hit record, something great has happened and I wasn't recording. And sure enough, the entire show happened while we weren't recording it wasn't the plan but it happened and now that we're recording dan's power is out due to a massive winter storm oh my gosh and you guys don't even know what he's been through today it's been an awful day for daniel this is comically horrible so i think that that means that we got a hard switch into a different topic for today uh, and I think we leave this in, but I think great. I better take us do into you, the episode. Do, do you want to do the intro or do you want me to do the intro? Uh, you go ahead and do the intro, hand it off to me, I'll introduce the topic and we'll just go. And for the record, all of this is staying in. I think that we should oh, yes. also include the clap of are we recording or not and just let this be a rough cut. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's too I good. Love, I love everything about this. You ready to roll? I'm ready to roll. Hello and welcome, Dungeon Crawlers, to another episode where, yes, the intros are different, the hosts have rotated, stranger things have happened, and we are most certainly in the the upside down because after having accidentally done the entire show before we recorded, with the action of recording, we have lost Daniel, which means the monkeys are running the zoo, the mice are playing, (laughs) or some other metaphor or some such nonsense. And here we are with my good buddy, Alton. Alton, how you doing, brother? Oh man, it's all cheese and bananas over here, buddy. Don't you even worry about it. But you know what, Krebs, the the beautiful thing about situations like this is that I've always got something in my back pocket. And for today's episode, I think very appropriately, we should talk about what you do as a GM when everything goes wrong. When everything just runs <laughs> off the crazy rails, and I almost swore into the microphone there, so uh, I would have bleeped it, man. I would have bleeped it. it. It just feels like an appropriate episode for the day, don't you think? 
Absolutely. Also, I just recognized that uh, my laptop is going off like a jet engine, so I'm just going to turn that down a little. That's okay. Can't Whatever. Hear it. We're, We're here. doing great. We're doing We're here. This so is... Dungeon Crawlers. <laughs> dungeon Crawlers. One of the biggest questions that I get asked all the time, not only when I'm GMing, but when I crack stupid puns and jokes, is how do you do that? How do you do that? And today, friends, we're going to try to answer that question for you. And first and foremost, I want, to, I want all of you to think about that time when you've sat down at the gaming table, either as a player or as a GM, and you're watching as everybody starts cracking jokes, everything starts to go a little crazy, the series of bad rolls happens, and now it's really unclear what you're supposed to do next. And I want you, if you've had an excellent experience, to think back to what happened next. Mr. Krebs, have you had any experiences like this? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I've had experiences on both sides of the fence where as a GM, you have a story set up, you have a plan, and then things just go way off the rails. Uh, one time as a player, and this was a very, very simple example, mind you, but one time as a player, uh, I was in a game for the Wheel of Time. Uh, this was many years ago at this point now, but we were doing a Wheel of Time D20 game. and my older brother, who is literally a genius, he was the he was the GM. He is a planner and a strategist and a tactician. He had and always brought with him this little pile of like plans and stories and pictures and maps. Like he was a very prepared GM in this game. We were in a situation where we had inadvertently gotten ourselves caught up into something we wish we hadn't. It wasn't intentional, but you know how this is. Good alignment characters always get you into trouble. And we, the, the town guard was trying to find the people who had perpetrated this thing mm -hmm. because to them it looked like one thing, even though it was something else, you know, the age old story. It wasn't me, it was the one armed goblin. But anyway, so uh, I happened to be traveling with our diplomatic character our character whose best stats were all in bluff and intrigue and diplomacy and things like that we encounter the guards they um they approach us and they engage with us and they're like hey where are you guys going the diplomatic character instantly spins a yarn like on the fly and he's like oh are you looking for such and such they went that way and points in the opposite direction of where we want to go he rolls his dice. The bluff is perfect, like rolls a D20. And the guards are like, this way, and they take off. That completely avoided all of the conflict, all of the encounter that my brother had planned. He reached over, grabbed a stack of papers, and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, we're talking like 12, 13, 14 sheets of paper. And he threw them right in the garbage can. <laughs> and we continued playing the story. I absolutely love it. And, you know, <clears throat> the reason that I always make sure to ask these kinds of questions at the beginning of episodes, even when I have to put you completely on the spot like you just happened, is because a lot of people worry and fall under pressure or put themselves under undue pressure, especially if you're the GM, when something goes wrong. And the first thing that you need to accept is that this happens to literally everybody. Every table on the planet at some point is going to experience exactly the situation that you're running into, maybe not the specific story details or whatever, but something's going to happen. A player's going to go off the realms. You thought that you brought the map and then suddenly you didn't. 
you know, I, I had an experience one of the first times that I was trying to run Curse of Strahd um, where I had pre-cut out like laser cut templates for, for all the rooms mm-hmm. and somehow was missing an entire floor and not like the top floor or the bottom floor, something in the middle that, you know, didn't even connect up properly above <laughs> and below without that floor. It was awful. Um, but you know, uh, as somebody who owns a game store, I, I, the, the, I work with judges who run tournaments all the time. And this is another thing that I try to help my employees understand too, is, you know, you don't have a judge or a GM for that matter, if everything is going right. Like if the players could just show up and do it themselves and there was never a problem, you wouldn't need a GM right? You wouldn't need a judge. You wouldn't need an employee running the counter or anything like that, which means that one of your jobs, or at least one of the skill sets that you need to nurture and the things that you need to prepare for within yourself is actually not it going right. It's it going wrong. It's it going off the rails and something unusual happening. So first things first, get yourself back into a calm mind state. Um, I think I've talked to you guys about how I've lost my voice. I'm pretty sure that was included or how, how my voice dropped, right? That was a, yes, that was yes. a, an extra bit from a previous episode that some lucky dungeon crawlers somewhere are listening to. Um, but a short story, I got clotheslined, right? I fell to the ground. I got clotheslined so hard, gasping for air, could not breathe. And ever since that point in my life, I actually struggle to swallow properly. If I am not careful and if I am not relaxed or if I have any kind of swelling or inflammation in my mouth or throat at all, I will begin to choke. And one of the things that I had to learn to do very early on was just relax. Just let it happen. Walk calmly over to the sink, grab a cup, fill it with water, drink, not gulp, not try to shoot it down or hit myself in the throat, but just swallow and just let it happen. And I found that to be a very useful skill as a GM as well. Because the second thing that's very important about good GMs is they know how to get into a flow state. Yes. And if any of you have been athletic or listened to Olympians talk or professional athletes, they always talk about this flow state where it's no longer about the conscious actions that they are taking. They aren't thinking about every little micro placement of their foot or how their hand scoops through the water. They're just letting their body do the work. They're letting their mind do the thing that it's used to. And that's also a very important thing when you're working, for example, a, a picking job. If you're, if you, any of you ever have the uh, wonderful opportunity to work in a warehouse, you're gonna know this too. The days where you are stressing over every single line item drag on forever and you make a ton of mistakes. And then you have the guy who's going a million miles a minute who just kind of has an earbud in and doesn't seem to notice anything else. And I guarantee you it's for the exact same principle. So the first step being calm. The second step being don't overthink it. And the first time it's gonna be awful. It just is. You're gonna open your mouth and you're gonna know what's coming out and that's okay. And maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. But if you remember to just calm yourself down and let it go, you're going to find that all of a sudden, all these ideas start going through your head because you're no longer focused on what isn't working. 
You're focused on what you do have. The building blocks that are already on the table in front of you, that are already coming out of the players' mouths or in your head, or the things that need to disparately connect point A to point D now that B and C have been blown to bits. And it's slowly just going to work its way together. Um, an excellent example of this, by the way, there was, uh, you know, as I, as I was working on dimensions and I was having to promote it a lot, um, there were a lot of instances in which I got pulled into interviews and things like that, sometimes very last minute, and people would ask me to demo the game. Well, a lot of the initial content that we had been planning on putting together, especially in the early days, wasn't put together yet. Um, and so I was just asked to let it go. And, and just see what happened. So I would send out the little digital things to everybody, tell them to grab a couple of D6, or I draw it on my end, whatever need to happen. And, and we just make up a story as we go. And what you tend to find is that the patterns of good storytelling hold through. And that was exactly what I found too. Even when I wasn't quite sure where it was going to go, I could always kind of put my foot out just barely in front of me and know that, okay, the next step, there needs to be a slow, there needs to be a fast. I know how it is supposed to feel, or I know how it's supposed to sound. And you just slowly start to build those things step by step. Um, and funnily enough, as I've started to learn to program, there are times where it is just kind of that too. Even if you set out with a specific problem to solve, when you're actually in the guts of it, sometimes you just got to get code onto the page and then rubber duck it back. I mean, at least that's my experience, Krebs. <laughs> uh, you said you, there are so many things that you said that just like popped little little GM proverbs into my head. Um, you know, you talked about remaining calm and the first time you do this, it's not going to be so great per se. And I have to echo that the first, the first time, the first few times, you're going to do this wrong before you do this right because you have to know what wrong looks like. Maybe you've seen another GM get it wrong and you can learn from their mistakes as a wise GM ought. But when you're on the spot, and especially the first couple of times you're on the spot, it can be difficult to pull a, a story rabbit out of your hat, right? That's okay. It is okay to get this wrong, especially if you have engaged players who want to play the game with you, they will be forgiving. If you go back, Many episodes ago, when we had like our uh, RPG seminar, as it were, we talked a lot about how really this is not your story. You're the facilitator of the player's story. So mm -hmm. if you keep that at your core principle, and if you're looking for some new direction, every one of your player's characters is an opportunity for a new story twist. Every one of them. Absolutely. You know, and, and you're hitting exactly on kind of the last two major points that I want to hit in terms of the things that you need to do in the moment. And then don't worry, those of you that are still freaking out, we're going to talk about things that you can start doing right now long before you get to the situation. Um, but, you know, that's one of the reasons it's, it's in fact one of the ways that I came up with the gold, silver and bronze rolls of storytelling. Um, in fact, if any of you are interested, we're going to be doing a GM's workshop uh, in January. Sounds games. right. I believe it's in January. You should come out. It's five bucks. Everybody will go home with a set of dice. Um, but that's one of the things that we're talking about with the gold, silver, and bronze rolls of storytelling. Because exactly to your point, if you understand that your job first and foremost is to help the players have a good time, then it doesn't actually matter what the story is as long as everybody's having a good time. It doesn't matter what you brought to the table that now no longer exists. 
because as long as everybody's having a good time at the end of the night, you're going to go home, you're going to furiously scribble down notes of what happened before you forget it all. And then you're going to figure out how to work your way back to what you already had planned. And that's totally okay because your players are going to remember. Yes. Maybe even the moment that it all went off the rails, but they're also going to remember how it got back on. Um, and so, you know, that's that first big thing. And I feel like that's kind of the direction that, that you were bringing things. Am I right? Uh, you're absolutely right. There was something else that you mentioned when you were talking about coding, which is obviously something that I empathize with, but mm. it called to mind the principle. And this, this, uh, I, for those of you who may not know, I used to shoot competitive billiards. I used to be a, a tournament player and I was never truly great per se, but I landed in the money. Um, and one of the things that I learned by observing one of the greats, this was in a video, mind you, I never met him in person, but one of the great billiard players of all time was known as Minnesota Fats, undoubtedly mm. not his birth name, but I digress. Um, Minnesota Fats, he made this video about like how to be a competitive pool player. And it was full of just like, it, it was, it was your stereotypical 80s, 90s VHS tape of like self-improvement or, you know, which basically was just a bunch of proverbs given to you by one of the greats and that's supposed to make you better somehow. But one of the things that he said was always take the easy shot. If you take all the easy shots, there are no hard shots. Now that sounds like a cop-out, especially when you consider that Minnesota fats was always playing what's called position pool. He would shoot the, he would shoot the cue ball into the object ball and he would sink the object ball, but he always shot it in such a way that the cue landed and gave him what's called shape, gave him position on the next shot. So the next shot was easier because he planned for the next shot. Mm -hmm. And I would take that and I would apply it to code when I would teach my students. I would say, if you look at a program that you want to make and you're trying to solve the whole problem all at once, you're going to fail. Instead, acknowledge that the program in its totality is a bunch of small problems. It's not one giant problem. It's actually the giant problem is just a Lego construct of all these smaller problems. And if you solve all the small problems, there are no big problems. Mm -hmm. And now I tie that back to being a GM. Don't try to have a grandiose hero moment. Don't try to have a, a grandiose Thanos snap end game reveal, blah, blah. Don't try to do that all in one session or all at one time. Instead, especially when something goes wrong. Especially when something goes wrong. When something goes wrong, recognize that a story is just a, is just a bunch of small problems that lead up to what is ultimately the major conflict, right? And if mm. you solve all the small problems in your story, then your story does not have any large problems. Yeah. Now you're jumping a little bit ahead into my, what mm. do we do between apologies now and the time that you hit the table. Um, but that is extremely relevant um, because yes, very much to your point, if you're calm, okay. And you're getting into that flow state and you're remembering that it's about having a good time. The other thing that you're going to find while you are in that moment is precisely that you don't need to solve everything. And in fact, by purposefully not trying to solve everything, you are engaging in the last big thing that I think you need to do in the moment, which is involve your players, let them be part of the solution. We've already talked about this before, as we've talked about leveling up and we've talked about how to engage your players in play anyway. But when it goes wrong, that's also the best time to get that collaborative storytelling experience back on track, right? When a player says, 
wait, but I thought that XYZ was over there. That's the perfect time to say, okay, so uh, go ahead and make a perception roll. And immediately all the players at the table are starting like, to think about, what? And, okay, what was your number? Interesting. Um, your character is not quite sure, but if all of you would like to engage in a little bit of metagaming for a moment, what do you think happened here? right like literally just rip the curtain off the table take away that whole thing and just say what, what do you guys think happened and that's a power move as a gm because players yeah. never expect for the gm to say metagame right now that metagaming is against many of the general commandments when you're doing a role play you're not supposed to metagame if you're a good player and then the gm is like so metagame for a second what do you guys think just happened and yeah. what's really happening under the hood is you're fishing for ways to repair the issue. Mm -hmm. And every experienced GM out there also knows the reality is the moment your character's not quite sure what happened, there's going to be somebody at the table who's gonna be like, well, obviously, right? Right. And, and if that happens, just let them go. Just let them go with it. And maybe take those two or three pieces of morsel that you think are solid and work it back in. Um, but more more than importantly than anything else that is your moment to get collaborative and to let your players generate some of the solutions for you and in an absolute worst case scenario if you are actually 100 stuck especially if it's your first time gming or anything else honestly put down the act put down the act of having it all planned and having it all put mm -hmm. together and laugh it off and be like guys you know what you totally just blew the lid off of my story so uh, I'm going to need your help figuring out what happens next because I had two and a half hours of material prepared and we are uh, 15 minutes in. So, and, and let your group decide because again, above all else, your job as the storyteller is to make sure that the players have a good time. That's right. And if they're telling a cool story and they're excited about what's going on, they're going to give you ideas and they're going to help you get back because they want to keep playing the game too. So now that we've talked about what you can do while you are at the table. Let's talk about your training montage now. <laughs> what are some of the things that you have done in the past, Krebs, to help you get ready to GM an experience? Understanding that while yes, part of that is going to be maybe writing notes or doing research on the world or reading through the book module, right? Like what are, what are some of the things that you are doing ahead of time to make sure that you have a bevy of tools at your disposal? Um, I, I learned from, from that story that I told you about my older brother, where he had everything documented out. I learned that makes you more brittle as we say mm. in the, in the coding business, right? Um, you want to be flexible. And one of the best ways to be flexible in my opinion is plan the beats, not the outcome. Mm -hmm. A story is a collection of beats interlinking, moments that lead from one part of the story to the next part of the story the best and and i i say this with all what's the right word i say this not with humility but with accuracy the best campaign i ever ran in the 30 years i've been a gm was a star wars campaign star wars d20 a star wars campaign around the time of the uh, of the prequels um, um, is that right? Uh, it was like 2005, 2006. So it was, yeah. it was, it was right around episode three. Yeah. Um, 
the best campaign I ever made was when I took post-it notes and I wrote um, major events and I listed them out. I put them in the order that made the most sense in terms of driving the story. Mm -hmm. uh, I wrote notes of which characters, which NPCs specifically should be introduced and involved. And then I made this story timeline and it was just beats. How they got there, when they got there was not important. I allowed the players to experience the transition of the story and to drive the transitions of the story on their own. And they did things I didn't expect and it didn't corrupt the story because I had the beats. You know, I'm super, super glad that you brought that up because that is exactly the first place that I would start to. And I'm doubly glad that you brought it up in the context of Star Wars because it illustrates my point very clearly. Star Wars, the very original film, right? Um, now referred to as episode four, A New Hope in the beginning, just Star Wars is Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Yes, that's yes, it. Is. That's it. It's, it's a story and a format that has been told over and over and over again. And that's also why it's successful. And it is, in my opinion, also the guiding reason why episode four connected with so many people, despite the fact that contextually speaking, the aesthetic was a little weird. The lore was a little out there, yeah. but it didn't matter because all of the major beats were there, which meant that you could put the context of what was going on in the universe into the right spots yes. because you didn't have to spend time trying to plot out and understand exactly how all of these things linked together, even though it's very fun to watch Lost and, and have that whole experience of connecting yarn together. The reality is, is that a player who is also actively engaged in trying to participate in the story is really going to struggle to keep everything where it needs to be without clear signals and understanding of what's going on, which leads me to my second point, which is the second tool that I would recommend doing. Alongside of identifying all of your major story beats, I would identify what are called all of your major signposts. These are the things that point towards what the next story beat should be. And you should be seeding those in every single episode. This is the hopefully far less annoying, hey, listen, that is pointing <laughs> players towards the next major objective or the next major thing that needs to happen because the players begin to tell the story in their heads long before the dice are thrown. And if you are already seeding those things there first, you're going to have a much easier time getting to where you need to go. But second off, when things do inevitably go wrong, your players are going to be much more equipped to help get you there as well because when they accidentally kill your big bad evil guy in the first encounter and he was supposed to be there at the very end of the campaign if you've already laid the signposts of what needs to come next then when you turn to the players and you say well what would you like to do they're going to say well i remember that such and such so that means that we should all go this way right guys and then you can start to fill in additional information about the world etc and start to dig your way back out of that hole um, so the first step being, you know, identify your story beats. The second bet, beat, phew, the second point being identify your signposts to those story beats. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that, I honestly think you've got like 70% of your story ready to go. And then it doesn't matter 
whether the characters die, whether a critical event comes out of order or you forgot some detail about how far away the towns were from each other or whatever, because all of the things are in place and your players are just going to assume that it's part of the bigger master plan. If, if I can throw a little um, sort of like a, a bonus tool to this, uh, Brad Bird, director of The Incredibles, Iron Giant, mm. Ratatouille, he has this expression that he has borrowed from someone else, obviously, but he puts he executes it to great effect, which is use the entire buffalo. Um, yeah. The idea, the idea that um, the indigenous people of this land, whenever they would kill any animal, but the buffalo being the example, they would let nothing go to waste. And you know what? Mm. I have found as a GM that a lot of the alleged hiccups or obstacles or as we've been referring to them sort of like problems that occurred during a game or when something goes off the rails or something goes wrong as we originally perceive it that can just be another part of the buffalo that i have used i i had a situation where my son who at the time was six and this was during the quarantine uh he was playing his very first role-playing game rifts surprise and uh and they were on a skiff that was, you know, floating slash flying down this ley line at pretty high speed. And they were being attacked by bandits, of course, because bandits. And um, there was one who was incapacitated, but wasn't dead and wasn't really seriously injured. But he was also, this bandit was also aware, uh, just incapacitated. And so my, my son, who's playing for the first time, he goes over to this bandit and I thought he was going to do something, maybe pull him back, maybe take him as a prisoner, maybe, you know, do something that would make the bandit useful or worthwhile. And instead he kicks him off the edge of the skiff, just like puts his boot on him and just shoves him off. Um, that's not what I expected him to do. And I had originally laced all of the bandits with something useful that the characters could use. Cause it was the beginning of the game. And so this is a great way to get some loot. So he kicks this, this living treasure chest off of the skiff. But my reflex shortly thereafter was not to be upset that he had done something I didn't expect. Instead, I used that to fuel a revenge story. Mm. Um, coincidentally, there was another bandit in that group that uh, his real life and in-game sister, my daughter, uh, her character saved the life of a bandit who chose not to fight them and instead allowed him to escape, that bandit came back as an unexpected ally. So mm -hmm. use, use all of the buffalo. And you're not, there are going to be some things you'll, you'll allow to be thrown away, sure. But don't look at every wrong turn or hiccup as if it is something against you. It can become a tool to further the story or for a side story. That's exactly the basis of the Electrum rule, right? elevate your gameplay with whatever is going on use it as an opportunity to elevate that story and escalate that story and bring it to the next level that's exactly on point and, and what's the what's the core principle there really like what's at the heart of that it's the players story it's the players the yeah. players are telling the story exactly which brings me to my last and most important tool alton you may be saying i'm a plotter i'm a planner okay, man, like, I understand that you're saying that all this improvisational stuff is great. And that's awesome. But I need to plan. And especially if my players are throwing my story off the rails, I need time to be able to figure out what needs to happen next. 
And friends, I have something very important to share with you. No matter where you are in the story, and I mean no matter where you are in the story, there is always time for a side quest. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the greatest tools that you have in your library of tools as a GM. You should have some number of pre-templated, signposted things in your head, little tiny micro encounters whose only purpose it is, is to eat up time and give your players something interesting to do. Um, I have a number that are among my favorites, but the reason that it's so important is because things go wrong. And I know that if I have the goblin cave in the back of my head with the dragon sword, right? I can always fall back on that. If I have the river with water elementals in it and there's dark spots on the ice, I know that I can put players in front of that. And no matter how experienced or inexperienced there are, there's somebody who's going to go kick a hole in the ice, right? There's always little things that you can do along the way. And what that enables you to do is fill out whatever time you have left in this given session. Make sure to be writing notes. If during that time you're able to figure out how to start to connect things back up, awesome. You can always get to the end of that quickly or just allow it to play out depending on what your players prefer to do. And at that point you have the tools to get it back in line. But at the end of the night, you have now bought yourself an extra couple hours of time to be able to go home plan, figure out how to reconnect the dots and put it all together before next week or next month's session. Frankly, this is also one of the reasons why I don't recommend doing weekly gaming sessions. I think bi-weekly is great and monthly Mm -hmm. is great because first off, it's easier to schedule. Everybody has a little bit of time and if they have something come up, they can push all of their stuff together onto the opposite Saturday or whatever needs to happen. But the other thing is that for you as the GM, it gives you time to be able to go home and plan and incorporate things that changed. An excellent example of this, okay? Um, In the campaign that I am playing right now, which is the longest campaign I have ever been a player in, and it's been phenomenal to be able to do it, okay? My first character died in the third session. (laughs) It was (laughs) the worst. Um, And so I had to go home and plan it out, and I wrote up this new character who is the brother of my old character, who showed up in the middle of a town square, apparently fighting bandits. And I was a barbarian, so I leaned into it and I just slaughtered him, right? And so the GM, of course, was like, well, that clearly means you're an evil character. I'm like, no, 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 I'm I'm chaotic neutral. There's a whole thing and we created the backstory, whatever. But as time went on and my character evolved and the way that I interacted with the world evolved, it became clear that despite the fact that I had a low intelligence and a low charisma and a low wisdom, there was a greater call for what my character could do. And yes, I cracked jokes in the whole nine yards and I played the dumb fool, but it also created some opportunity for some intensive role play. And as a result, I was able to meet with my GM in between sessions after a particularly harrowing event came around and was able to talk more about the background of my character. Now, the good news is, is that my GM, being a generally competent person, you know, went forward and looked further on in the adventure to what was coming way down the line and saw some opportunity to put down some additional signposts for things to happen between now and then that would become meaningful and important to my character, who is a Shawanti barbarian. Um, 
who now has this really awesome plot hook to go and unite all of the Kwa, um, all of the various tribes of Shoanti against this greater evil. It was something that already existed within the story at some degree or another, this thing where we have to go and gain respect and get everybody to come and support us. But it gave my GM the time to make things personal. So the background of my character changed a little bit in between sessions. We talked about who I knew and who I didn't know and things that I might have forgotten from the time that I was a child. And to me as a player, that became much more rewarding even though when I built my character, my GM didn't know that I had selected some particular ancestries and that I had this overarching backstory that then began to play out very suddenly in the middle of his session and he wasn't expecting it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's okay because instead we went, we side quested and we sat down and we took the time to figure out how do we make this deep and meaningful and important. Now there are many other things that have gone right and wrong in this campaign so far, um, but by allowing that space to exist, by allowing me to do something off the books, even though it definitely threw off the plans in the episode that it happened, it opened the door for what is turning out to be a much more meaningful story to me as a player and to everybody at the table. Because now at the tail end of this, it isn't just a token, we're gonna go and get the support of the Shawanti, but now it's actually, no, this is important to a character in our group who has a personal connection with the land and the people in it. Right. And who, if we allow this to play out well, is also going to enable us to have the connections that we need to really bring this story to a climactic end. So we're running a little bit short on time here, but I do just kind of want to repass. First, the things that you do now. Learn to build out your main plot points and make those even more important than the critical things that get you there. Second, build your signposts so that players know where they are going and can help you tell the story in tandem. Now I forgot my third because my brain is getting a little wound down. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, oh, third. There's always time for side questing. That's right. And then finally, lean into your players, elevate your game to that next level. If you plan those things ahead of time, when you're in the moment and you're beginning to panic, now all you got to do, slow down your thoughts, just relax. Give yourself an opportunity to breathe. Bring in your players, let them participate in the game. And you're going to find that all of a sudden, all those little signposts that you laid along the way are going to start putting themselves together. That template, that one dungeon that you've run a million times is a one shot for that player, for those players at your local game shop who just want to learn how to play D&D. All of a sudden, it becomes something that high level players who've been playing for years can sit down and enjoy because at the tail end of it, there's hooks and items and tools that are going to get them back to where you want them to be. And finally, you're going to find that you're having a better time because even though it wasn't what you planned, it's what was needed. The players love it. They're excited for it. And you are introducing new stakes and new adventures that could not have been told without that collaborative moment of, yes, messing up, but also figuring out how to put it back together, together. So Dungeon Crawlers, I wanna hear what your thoughts are, okay? This was not a planned episode and I hope oh. that it still gave you at least something useful on the opposite side of this. 
Uh, we are going to let you all know as soon as we can next week how Dan makes it through the night. I sent him a gif of a tauntaun as soon as everything went down. And, uh, you know, we're really hopeful that he makes it through some wicked winter storms out here in Utah. But no matter where you are, no matter what you do, we hope that you keep telling your stories. Mr. Krebs, I think you should summarize and then take us out. Okay, so folks, you heard it from the master himself, Alton, who has given us some very clean and very clear rules. These are meant to be guideposts. These are meant to be guardrails. If it doesn't fit your moment, find what does. But no matter what, no matter what happens, always remember to be epic and don't suck. By the way, mm. after you sent him that tauntaun, I was going to mm. send him a text that said, he said that he was going to pile on the blankets for the night. Mm. And I was going to ask him if the blanket smelled bad on the outside. Yeah, that's fair. It smells worse on the inside. <laughs> also, you didn't let me say my line. No, you did though. You said, tell your story. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? But you didn't tell you, didn't, you didn't say your whole line. Yeah. Say, say your line now. Say it now. Yeah, Do well, it. Now, now we've got this whole other section. Krebs, there's a mistake. People Dude, are this whole episode. This, this whole awful. episode. And, and people, like, please give us the benefit of the doubt, okay? Normally, I'm a little more put together. I've got some kind of skeleton notes or something. So I don't think that tonight was executed perfectly, but that also isn't the point. No. Dungeon fact, crawlers. And it fits the topic. It does. And whether you're telling it perfectly or you need to take a second run at the ending and really lean into the meta of the entire episode, <laughs> tell your story, whatever may come. Now, that was epic. And it didn't suck. Remember, the force will be with you always.